You're listening to the Leadership Jam Session Podcast, the place where you'll get to hear leaders at all levels of management share their practical solutions to the management challenge you face every day. So let's get ready to jam. I'm your host, Rob Fonte. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Leadership Jam Session. Today's episode will consist of a panel discussion with two veteran leaders, and the topic you're going to hear us discuss today has to do with how the journey towards leadership, in many cases, is not linear. Everyone's leadership journey is a little bit different, and at times the path itself is unclear, filled with decisions that we make that may put us on a different path, but a path that still ends up moving us forward. So to help us with this discussion and to help share stories related to this, I brought in two guests. So our first guest is Melissa Manor, who is an area business manager with seven years of management experience and 20 years of total healthcare industry experience. Melissa, welcome to the Jam Session. Thanks, Rob. It's great to be here. And our second guest is Heather Stitely, who is also an area business manager with nine years of management experience and with over 20 years of healthcare industry experience as well. Heather, welcome to the Jam Session. Hi, Rob. It's good to be here. Are you ready to jam? Let's go. I'm ready. So you both have a unique experience to share with us because your leadership journey started out the same way as most of us, getting promoted and taking over a team for the first time because of your success as an individual contributor. And then you arrived at a point in your careers where your journey moved you into a different direction, where you moved into another individual contributor role. And then fast forward, your journey over the years moved you back into a leadership role where you are now leading teams again. So you both bring a unique perspective that I think is going to be very important for for you to share. So here's where I want to focus. I want to focus on comparing both experiences and perhaps digging in a little bit more into your journey between your experiences and how that might have shaped and molded your journey back towards a leadership position. So here's the first question. When you started managing people again, did your approach change compared to the first team you managed? And if so, what changed? I'll go first. Sure, Melissa. Absolutely. Without question, it changed. And that's largely due to perspective of having been in the leadership role, like you mentioned, based on skill sets that I had as an individual contributor and then leading the same types of folks, the sales reps that I had once been very successful at doing and really feeling like I had to know it all and and solve all the problems and be there for whatever potential issues came up on my team instead of helping and leading the team to get there on their own. One of the key takeaways that I realized as a leader is that I didn't have to always have all the answers, that actually I was better at my job if I could help my team come up with their own solutions. And really understanding that the finish line is what's important and that how they got there, as long as obviously it was within compliance and within the rules and using the resources they had, was up to them. So style could be different. And helping them get there in their own way was more important than getting there my way. Yeah, I hear that often. That's a consistent theme that I hear all the time, particularly with new managers who are just starting out leading teams. Heather, how about you? I would definitely say that a different leader than I was the first time. I think I appreciate how communication shapes everything on a team and how there's a ripple effect. You could be talking to one person, but it's going to impact everybody. And I don't know that I fully understood that the first time. It's amazing. But I would say all in all, much like what Melissa said, it's it's less about me having all the answers, which is something as a, a type A personality. It's something that comes natural to me. I want to know everything. But in the leadership sense, it's almost better to even empower other people to 
find their own answers. And I've gotten better at things like delegating and, and helping to build critical thinking skills, or it's not as important that the light is on me per se, but I think the light's bright on a leader who's got a team with a light shining on them. It's almost better that they have that opportunity to shine. It's such a gift to be able to do this and to be able to, to work with people and incremental improvement is always what we're all striving for personally. And I think when you can help somebody be the best version of themselves, that's the most fun. And I certainly did not have that mindset. First time it was sales numbers and targets and a lot of other things. So I'd say those are some of the bigger things that are different for me this time around. This is uh, one where it's a consistent theme again. And managing people in your first year or two is, is, is challenging. It's very different. That transition from individual contributor to seeing through the lens of a leader and seeing that people do things differently than you do, it's very hard to wrap your arms around that. Heather mentioned the type A, and I think I, I also tended to fall into the box of checking off the to-do list and making sure we're hitting the numbers. And we've sent out the required number of emails or sales promotion or whatever the goal of the day was. And I think really making sure that those things are important, certainly, but having the balance to know and meet your team individually where they are, what motivates them and how you can get the best out of them. I've certainly learned through different experiences between my two leadership roles that there are different things that motivate people differently. And it's challenging, but finding out what that is can really guide you to what Heather was talking about. And that is letting the light shine on your team, letting your the light shine on each individual on your team, which is more important than anything else, really. Did you feel as if your second go around in terms of managing teams, did you feel that came a lot quicker? I know for me it did. And it's largely in part to some more formal leadership development training that I received. There's a lot of different tools that you get when you do formal training sessions with leadership. There's external tools that you learn about in terms of crucial conversations and DISC and situational leadership or three that I took the most benefit from, but I really hadn't thought too much about it until the other day. There's a lot of internal tools too, things like EQ or branding things around self-awareness and, and your own communication style that I think is probably equally as important, almost more just because I think there are things that I wasn't aware of in myself the first time that in regulating my own natural tendencies or learning more about them, I it just made me do the other things in a different way, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And for those of us who are wondering, DISC is a great resource in terms of teaching us that people fall into four different buckets in terms of how we prefer to approach things, how we approach to communicate. And some people are just more introverted, some people more extroverted, some people are much more goal-oriented, some are much more reserved in terms of being more analytical, things like that. And it sounds like that helped you in terms of become more aware of the different styles that are out there and how you prefer to approach things. And to add what, what you said, Rob, this really does teach you your kind of preferred communication style, but it also helps you understand others and allows you to meet them with their preferred style. And sometimes it doesn't come easy. I'll add to what Heather said about those more official tools that we learned in leadership development that you learn as much about things like this, which we've explained, or situational leadership, but as much about what comes naturally to you, what comes more challenging to you, and really understanding that something that could be a strength, like being someone who is more goal-oriented, more fast-paced, more extroverted, could also be a weakness if you overuse it or you use it with someone where 
it's not an appreciated style. Someone that needs more time to think about the process, think about the problem, come to their own solution. And if you're jumping in and solving it for them, that's going to turn off their creative juices and really stunt their growth instead of obviously as a manager and a leader, we want to do the opposite. We want to get them going and get them ready to solve their own problems, however they get to that point. So I think it's as much of these more official tools that we learn, as much as Heather said, of learning about ourselves and what comes naturally and what comes more challenging. And then knowing that those things that come more challenging, it's okay to struggle, to practice, to have mentors, to have peers, to have leaders that in your own life that that you can use to practice, to have as a sounding board, to make sure you're not thinking of something maybe differently than you should. So those to me are some of the tools that I've gained between the first time and now and learning to trust those resources. And so those were resources that that were provided to you in between the first time and then coming back and managing people that you weren't necessarily exposed to the first time in terms of before you took over your first team. And this is a classic example. You know, I'm familiar with with your organization. And when you first became managers, the organization was very small and very successful in terms of the growth that they were experiencing. And and this is common for many organizations out there. Uh, And then as, as time goes on, as you expand and grow, then the resources start to come into play. What's unique about your stories is the journey leading up to your first management experience compared to the journey leading up to your second management experience. And Mm -hmm. it sounds like the difference is there. A lot of that had to do with the resources and some of the formal training provided to you prior to taking over a team again. I would agree with that. And I would also add to that, I was older and had more life experience and had to become a parent and just world forces things shape you as an adult and there was you know, a difference of a couple of years in that mix that definitely changed my perspective on a lot of things so there was a lot going on i love what you said about the life experiences because rob when i heard you talk about the company and how it's changed i also think about if you're in a position as a new leader where maybe you don't have those resources there are other ways to gain experiences and you mentioned in the introduction about maybe not a traditional road to leadership, being open-minded to where you can gain experience, where you can learn new tools, whether it's just self-development, picking picking up a book that seems interesting or that a mentor or someone you respect has recommended, which I've done as well many times, or if your organization provides the tools or learning from your peers, learning from a mentor, learning from my team. There's people with a ton of great experience that are on my team now that I can learn a lot from. And so being open-minded to know that those teachings can come from anywhere, that to me, as much as the formal training contributed to the changes and where I am today, those steps that I took in between being a leader the first time and now um, in a position where I went back into an individual contributor role and had the perspective of okay, what would I want from a leader now that I've had a chance to do both jobs? I went into a training position where I wasn't managing people directly, but had a lead without authority piece. So I think all of those things can contribute. So those insights can come from anywhere, really. I will say, though, had I not done the formal training, I don't know that I would have been attuned to the things that I pick up now in everyday life. Just having some of that formal stuff I do see a lot more in my peers and I do see a lot more in, I could be watching my kid's sports team and seeing their coach, or I'm watching a professional football team or 
some sort of team and you notice different coaching styles. I see it in TV. My kids are watching The Office and I'm dying because there's so many leadership tenets. Rob, I remember calling you about Ted Lasso. It's just leadership from start to finish. So once you, you're not even necessarily there for that, but when you start to see it and you recognize it, I don't know that I would have thought about it the same way had I not been involved in some of the formal stuff. Yeah. It's really cool. And it all contributes to how you look at the world. And by the way, thank you for turning me on to to Ted Lasso. It's a fantastic show. I'm just trying to figure out how to incorporate (laughs) that into my workshops, but I'm working on it. I know. Yeah. They're filming a second season now. What I'm hearing here here is, and the key takeaway is that you really do need both, right? You, You know, you obviously can never replace the real world experience of managing. And the ideal situation is in parallel, maybe even to have some of that formal trading leading up to that. But certainly... To have both is best of both worlds because you both have the unique perspective of seeing it and living through both experiences of it. I think Melissa and I were talking about this earlier. We're on this podcast with you and it it feels almost to be here. I don't want anybody thinking we feel like we've reached the pinnacle of leadership in any way because I think we both recognize how much we learn every single day and every experience that we get contributes to what we do. Every new team member, every new challenge that we have. I think being receptive to learning and knowing that there's no finish line is a really big part of a leadership journey that doesn't take a book. It just takes a little humility and it takes really taking that that you've been entrusted with a group of people to lead and trying to do the best for them. I think that's where that continued journey comes from. But unless you do it yourself, no one's going to do that part for you. You have to be open to it. So I know I'm not done. I'll mess up every single day, but I think I've built the trust on my team that they know my, my heart's in the right place and, and they'll call me on it. Honestly, I don't think I should be allowed to give feedback unless I'm willing to get it too. I think we've created a kind of environment on my team where we have that, we have that mechanism where they know that they can talk to me about things as a group or individually. So I think that's been fun. Humble is a great word, Heather. I love that because going back to my one of my original comments, knowing that you don't have all the answers and letting your team see that side, whether you feel like it's a weaker side or not. Maybe some leaders have that perception that admitting I don't have all the answers, whether it's something more specific and clinical or even just how to coach a person that day. But knowing that you have their best interests at heart, that you've built the trust with them, that they know that they want to succeed and you're doing everything you can to help them get there, but you're in it together. I feel that way about my team and being there to support them. And I feel that way about my leader. And so to me, that's also a great example. And the leaders that surround me, like you, that show me that example every day. So uh, every day I learn something new. Every day I have a struggle. Actually, just today I had a conversation where I had to talk through something and this person totally just flipped me 180 degrees. I came in thinking one thing (laughs) and left thinking something. I'm like, I have to build a bridge. So if I went from being a little bit frustrated to knowing that it was a miss on my part and it was something that I needed to build a bridge, having that objective perspective is key. And having somebody that trusts you enough and that you trust enough to give you that honest feedback is invaluable and very important. It's funny because I don't think that feedback mechanism is innate in every organization. I I think that there are some organizations where they are very happy to play the status quo and not ruffle feathers and not give any difficult feedback. And I can't tell you, someone once told me feedback is a gift. And if we're not given it, I don't think we're allowing people to do their best, positive and negative or constructive, I should say. And I would be 
at a detriment if I wasn't given critical feedback. So I'm glad that we've got a culture where we are that allows for that and encourages that because it, it truly is something important to your development. Jay, I wonder who, who shared that feedback as a gift with you. Just wondering. So, I yes. It, it might be written on a pillow somewhere. <laughs> it might be. You're both spot on in terms of giving feedback and just being even, just showing that vulnerability and humility really is, is one of the quickest way to build trust. And building trust is also being able to demonstrate that you are open to feedback, which takes time to really create that culture. And if you're new to managing, it can be very scary to open yourself up that way. And yet that's exactly what your people want from you. I think you have to have a, a culture that supports that too, for sure. A culture that you. gives you the leeway to be able to take risks with your team and support them and see them through versus having all the right answers all the time right away for having meeting those quotas, meeting those goals, being able to get to those quotas and goals, but get there in a way that also builds a strong team. I think there's enough data out there to support that strong team dynamic and really focusing on the soft stuff ends up delivering better results in the long run anyway. It's just you have to have a, an organization that's willing to, again, take risks, as you said, and support leadership Listen. to do those things. One of the things I was thinking about, too, is I'm a leader, but I'm also somebody that's a member of a team. And it's funny because I think about how I've used those tools that I learned in leadership development for my own development. I'll never forget, and it was in the last year and a half, I actually had to say to my leader, listen to me, I know you're trying to support me and you think that what I need is that, that S3. I'm a D1 right now. I need you to direct me because I don't know what I'm trying to do here. So flip the, the tool on them. Oh, that shorthand makes life so much easier sometimes. We have to have the alignment there. The tools do nothing for you. Yeah, so you're referencing situational leadership, which is a fantastic model. I love teaching it, and it is really the backbone of leadership. And the model is based on knowing when to be more directive teaching versus when to be more of a sounding board and just guiding your employees. But you just provided a great example, and that is uh, an example of how when your leadership, when all of management understands the same model and has been through it, it provides that common language. That's what really helps to create the culture of giving feedback, a culture of trust. And quite honestly, to your point, it is like a shorthand. It helps speed up many conversations when everyone has the same type of language that you're speaking to. So it's an excellent point. Organizational shifts can make that a challenge, especially if you're going through an integration of some kind or you're bringing in lots of new team members. And if you've got launches and lots going on, sometimes that's the piece that gets left to the rear. It's the, the things that don't pay the bills, so you don't necessarily invest that time. But I think, I think it is a good investment because it does allow people to communicate in a way that's more straightforward, more clear. There's a lot less misunderstanding, but you have to invest in it. Following through, too, is key. I remember a time where this was the first time I was a leader, but I remember a time where we would roll out different tools, and I feel like I was just getting going like just getting up to you know the speed limit with whatever that tool was, and then we'd roll out a different tool, which is great. It's an embarrassment of riches to have these tools, but and so you, you can say, I'm going to train on this language and we're going to speak a common language, but then you, you go through a course and then you never bring it up again. There's a fine line between that and overdoing it, where in every situation you're calling someone yeah. one of the disc letters or one of the situational leadership quadrants or whatever. I definitely don't want to go to that extreme, but you have to be able to follow through and help people understand what it means to them, why it's important, how it can help improve their interactions, how it can help improve 
their skill sets or our relationship or whatever the case may be based on the tool. You have to be able to demonstrate the why it's important or else it just becomes something else you spent time learning and didn't do anything with. And, and the balance. You can go overboard on, on many of these concepts, many things, and it's really about understanding and bringing the right balance at the right time, depending on your employee. Yep. Agreed. So I do want to go back to a comment that, that Melissa, you brought up before when you talked about going into the training role. So this is where we get into the the whole topic around leadership at times may not be linear because sometimes a lot of people unfortunately do view taking a different role, even a lateral role, or just going, as you both did, going into a individual contributor role as going backwards. And yet, here you are today leading teams. So as you reflect back, do you really view it as going backwards when you made that decision? to take a different role. I know your question was about how I view it today, but I want to start with a little bit of how I viewed it then, because I would say then it absolutely weighed heavily on my mind is how would this be viewed? Is this a career decision I'm making today based on the fact that it is quote stepping back? And Rob, you mentioned about not necessarily stepping back, but just taking a different direction, which ultimately moves you forward. I probably didn't see that then, but once I came to the decision, my mind was made up. I knew it was the right decision for me personally and professionally. To your original question of how I feel about it now, I wouldn't change a thing. I think it gave me that perspective of being able to go back into that role after leading the same group of sales reps. And now I'm one of those sales reps and knowing exactly what my boss needs of me and how I can really work well within that team and be a leader within the team, even though I'm not in a leadership position. And then taking that trainer role all of that had prepared me for doing it again today. While at the time, I think there were questions in my mind about it. Honestly, now I have no regrets and I have no doubt that it made me better equipped to be in the position I am today. Everything that Melissa said, I echo completely. I was worried that I was letting people down and I was worried about how others would view me more so than I was concerned about what it meant for me. And honestly, I became the best individual contributor on the planet, I felt like, after that, because I knew the inside baseball. <laughs> and I felt like I had a better understanding of the why behind how decisions are made. I saw behind the curtain, and I think I was a lot stronger for it. And I took a lot more from my individual contributor role then, too. I appreciated it a lot more. It became a lot of fun. And when I went back into a leadership role after that, I was able to hopefully appreciate the funness of what my team was doing every day and even celebrate that a little bit more. That's part of what is so different about what I'm doing now versus then. I embrace my corny self. I bring myself to work. I'm a lot less veiled, I think. And I feel like it's a lot more genuine. That's part of what built the trust, too. That learning curve or the time to trust curve became a lot shorter from round one and actually, it feels like every couple of years, you get a new deck of cards, a new team that you're working with. And you have to start over with either everybody or a handful of new people. And every time the, the curve is a lot shorter because you start to understand where you did things wrong the first time and you do better. The journey itself is, is a learning experience. As both of you said, leading teams, the learning never ends. It's a lifelong journey of learning. And I do think at times many people have to struggle with these decisions and everyone's decision is personal for whatever their reasons and their circumstances. The point of just taking a lateral move people struggle with, and I understand that at, at that certain point in time, it doesn't feel right or it doesn't feel motivating. Melissa, I think you, you articulated it well that at the time it just, I was unsure, but looking back, it was the right decision, but it also helped me to grow. People 
just take the time to really think through this. And I know it's hard in the moment, but our lives, it's a journey. Every decision we make, every role we move into is a learning experience that will help us to move forward. Either thinking that you might be taking a step back or just taking a lateral move is not taking a step back. In the end, it actually does help you to move forward because everyone's circumstance is a little bit different and it is a learning experience. I think you have to choose it though. I think there are people that make a choice not to. I think they can get stuck in that decision and and choose not to embrace it and choose not to see what they can get out of it. It's, It's definitely a cognizant act on your part to get what you need to get out of that next role, whether it's a lateral, a step back, a step forward, any of it. And they choose not doing it for the wrong reasons in many cases. And sometimes okay. just they feel the peer pressure or whatever the case may be. But it sounds like in both of your experiences, obviously it was the right move, but it sounds like you had the right support too, the right leadership there to support you and to support your development along the way. Absolutely. And in my instance, I am eternally grateful for the people that I was working for at the time for allowing me that ability to, to go back and do what I needed to do and for supporting me when I wanted to go forward again. I think it speaks to, again, a culture of wanting the right thing for people and knowing that it's a long-term proposition in getting the best out of people, the people who I've reported to over the years, but especially the ones that were there when I asked to go backward. I think they were the ones that I kind of credit with where I got to now because they didn't allow it to be a defeated experience. And it was something that was meant to be positive And they were very much supportive backwards and forwards. I don't disagree with a thing you said. I will say that for my experience, I probably give more credit to those that have supported me today. I think that there's still the kudos to those that, and then the organization probably as a whole that were there years ago, in my first go around. And that allowed me to, like you said, be the best individual contributor I could be at the time, kind of seeing behind the curtain. I love that analogy and knowing what needed to be done, but to give me the chance to go into a, the training role and to give me the chance to go into a leadership role again and to know that where I had been from the first day through that first leadership experience and then the experiences I had in between made me a better person today to, to be more open-minded, more vulnerable, more humble, more willing to learn to lead a team again. So I agree with what you're saying completely. And I think that you have to have that support. And I give a lot of credit to those who were open-minded enough to see what I could offer today. I think we chose our own narrative, Melissa. We decided what we wanted out of it and we got it. We had some say in how this thing played out too. There's some people that don't allow themselves the grace to make decisions like that and to be able to go forward. Because we owned what we wanted out of it, I think we have some responsibility for this too. I know you do. Thank you. You just reminded me of how I had to make a decision when I was approached. Actually, my first guest when I launched a podcast was the manager that talked me into going into a training role, Kim Metcalf, who you both know as well. And at the time, I did get some questions from others in terms of why do you want to go into training? That's a lateral role at best. And yet, as I reflect on it, it changed my life. It, without question, made me a better leader today because of that. As we wind down, just one more question for you. So if somebody is is thinking through this right now, thinking through taking another position that, that may on paper at least, be perceived as a lateral move uh, or perhaps taking a step backwards, what advice would you give them? I think for me, first and foremost is you talk to people that you trust. I think when it's something that's that big a decision, it's important to talk to your family and talk to peers, mentors, people that you feel confident have 
your long-term interests at heart and have a gut check. You have to be able to be okay with it too, but whatever direction you decide to go in, if you do decide to, to go down that lateral path, make the best out of that decision and leverage it into whatever comes next. Because it seems like for most people, it's a long-term play. So you, you do the short-term lateral, but there's something that's bigger and make sure that you get whatever tools or experiences that you need to get out of it to really make the most of it. I would say be willing to be vulnerable, be willing to be open-minded that those experiences, those skills, those tools can come from anywhere. So it could be something that's perceived as we've discussed as a step back. It could be another position that's lateral. It could be a project within your own role. It could be staying within role, but reaching out to peers or folks on your team or a mentor or a leader. I do agree with Heather to the point where when you make the decision, you need to be open-minded to know what you can get out of that position, what experiences and skills and tools you can take from it to grow as personally and professionally. And for me, it was being the best I could be at that time with that new role in that new experience. And it just led to something greater. But I think at the time, it was more about doing what was right at the time and then getting the most out of it. The advice I would give is to be open-minded to know that you can learn from these different experiences, whether it's perceived as a, a lateral move or a step back or just something that's totally outside of your area of expertise, to know that's something that could take you somewhere, whether it is short-term or long-term. Yeah, I think that's great advice. The key takeaway here is to, at the time, it just you may not be able to see the long-term play, but just know that whatever decision you make is putting you on a path that will move you forward. It's just going to look different for each person making that decision. And it's a personal decision. Agreed. Yeah. Perfectly said. If somebody's new to leading teams and they may not have some of the formal training or may not have the resources, which is common in many cases for a variety of reasons, mm -hmm. what advice would you give that person? I have two things. So the first one, I had somebody that worked for me at one point who was going and interviewing for a leadership position. We were role-playing their, their interview. And one of the questions that was very common is, how do you build trust on a team? And they started to respond. And I quickly stopped them. And I said, I think you might want to know that you have to go into this role with 100% trust in people. And it's theirs to lose. But most importantly is you really need to, to demonstrate the trust for them to be able to trust you. And I think that it was a different mindset for that person who hadn't led previously, and it did help. You have to be able to put yourself out there and demonstrate trust. But I would say that the second most important piece of guidance that I would give is say it, forget it, write it, regret it, because everything comes back to haunt you. And that is from the, the sage words of the Real Housewives of New Jersey. How can you go wrong with that? True leadership in action right there. That's right there. Yeah. I told you, it's everywhere. Once you're attuned to it, you pick it up everywhere. So what you're saying is be careful what you put on email or even on text. Sometimes yeah. it's better just to pick up the phone and, and talk to somebody. Absolutely. Without question. And before I answer your question, I'll just add to that a little because I have to, right? That was just too good not to add to. I also sometimes have typed up a whole text and then or email and then realize there's no tone in this. There's no inflection in my voice. They can't understand how much I care. They can't understand how worried I am or how concerned or how much I want them to do well. And so I hit delete and I pick up the phone because asking the question or saying, hey, can you do me a favor is a lot different than in an email. Having the true feeling of what you're trying to express come across is, is better done face to face. So as much as we can today. 
And then I'll build on, <laughs> for sure. And then building on the trust piece, I, I agree with Heather completely. We've talked a little bit about having the gut instincts and, and maybe the first go around when we didn't have as many resources going on our gut versus having this leadership development. But looking back, I do feel like a lot of what I have naturally works for me. I'm honest to a fault, I've been told, and that helps to build trust. But know that that you do have to build it with your team. So I agree with Heather to go in 100%, but know that to be able to give the constructive feedback or ask for a little bit more or to push somebody or to help them get where they want to go, you have to be able to build that trust. And during our leadership development, one of the coaches talked about the trust bank. I don't know if that's common language and I just have never heard it before, but it was something that was new to me and making the deposits. And I want to be clear that it's not at all a false thing or something that I'm doing just to get to get my returns. It's really because I care about people and I want them to know that. That visual helps us to, to stay true to it, though. I don't think it's meant to be manipulative in any way. I think just having that image of investing in people that way and, and to deposit into that bank is just a way to keep us on the important stuff. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Again, it, there's a consistent theme here about the importance of building trust with your employees. And, and basically everything you guys talked about in some way, shape or form hinges on that and impacts it. Unfortunately, we're out of time, but uh, I do want to thank you both for coming on Jam Session and sharing your stories. It was great perspective to hear your journey, and I have no doubt it provided tremendous value to a lot of our listeners out there. So thanks again for coming on. I appreciate it. Thanks, Rob. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Heather. Thanks, Rob. Thanks so much for listening in today. If you're interested in learning more about the show or how we can assist you through my leadership consulting company, then please visit my website at leadershipjamsession.com. 